0: This message inspires and encourages you. For more information, please contact Nexus Church. There's something about the, the choice to declare our praise. There's something that changes in our hearts and as we come and continue to look at his word this morning and start to continue to allow him to work in our hearts, it is in our hearts that he wants to work. More than our in in our in the words I speak or the thoughts that we think, it's it's a transformation in here. I was thinking this week, and I'm going to be transparent here, as I always am. You love when people say that, don't you? Does that mean you're not transparent? No. I'm going to just give you a little glimpse into my life. I grew up afraid of dogs. Huge revelation there. Yes, yeah, so I grew up afraid of dogs. Um, and I was thinking this week, I have a dog. I have a cat dog now. What was the change? Is, is, is it sort of like a, it's a basic illustration, but I think it will speak to heart. It's something that just came to mind this week to me. What changed was not um, I learned some more things about dogs or this or that. I actually got around someone, my wife who absolutely loved dogs and it was in the being around her that something changed within my heart. I learned some things. I watched. I, I, and I know this is a silly example, but I just felt to share it, that actually it's, it's a work in our hearts that changes. Maybe if we lift that, that was a fear I had. There's some fears that we have. It's actually a work in the heart that God wants to change in your life. So right now, Lord, we are open to your work in our hearts, in our lives. Lord, we recognise that you speak first to our hearts. Because it's once you work in our hearts that then the expressions come in our actions and overflow. Rather than us trying to force it in our actions to then change, it's a change on the inside out. And Lord, that is what you're calling to us to, to speak to our hearts, to be transformed, to open our hearts to you as disciples, as followers of Christ. So this morning, continue to work in our hearts to change our expressions out here. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Great to have this time with you. Um, I'm excited to get to the Word, and today we're going to Matthew chapter 5. Um, and I'm excited because we're continuing this, this emphasis on going deeper. So why are we going to Matthew chapter 5 then? It's the Beatitudes. It's known maybe as the manifesto of Christ. This is the nature of Jesus, His kingdom, and the kingdom people That is, He is about to reveal. Why are we going there? Because it's just what I said. Jesus here is speaking to hearts. More than it is ethics, more than it is what we're going to read as to how we are meant to live, it's first and foremost Jesus speaking and challenging the hearts, not of anyone, but of his disciples. Hearts of his disciples. He's not speaking here. And we see in the first couple verses it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, the position of a teacher. And listen, hear this: his disciples came to him and he began to teach. Jesus is not speaking to the curious here. He's not speaking to the interested. Although they're around, the crowds are there, but he's speaking to disciples. And we've heard last week and through our time so far that a disciple is someone who's hitched their life, who's attached their life to Jesus, who have oriented their life and adjusted their life and and in this respect sold up everything and said, I'm living with you, Jesus. You're my everything. I have no I have no sort of eject button here. I'm in. I've committed. I'm your disciple. I'm living with you. This is who Jesus is speaking to. And when we come to this, that's hugely important to know and to recognize. Because what it means is these words only truly start to make sense from the posture of a disciple. If you're curious or interested, they'll be a bit confusing. And even for the disciples, and this is the key, it's a little bit what we're going to see what's going on here, Jesus. But the difference is is that they're leaning in. The curious is standing still. They're interested. They're watching. They're the attendees. They're watching. And I don't know about this. The disciple, even when we don't necessarily fully get it yet, we know we're around the one who will help us get it. And so the posture of a disciple is hugely important when we're reading these words that we're about to read. You know, the other thing, and I, before we get to it, knowing that these are disciples, it's interesting where this comes in the book of Matthew. And I'll give you a rapid fire, chapter one to four. Chapter one is the genealogy of Jesus. Chapter two is his birth. It's his... Um, the Magi visiting him, it's all from Joseph's perspective. Chapter 3 is the, is the baptism, the affirmation and the temptation of Jesus. And then chapter 4 is where he starts his public ministry and he starts to share what his, his core message is, which is repent for the kingdom of God is near. And he calls his first four disciples and he starts to do some healings and, and suddenly there's a following starting to grow. And there's again these disciples. But what do you notice in how Matthew lays this out that is actually missing for the disciples? What is it that's missing? I would suggest that actually missing is a whole lot of detail about what they're signing up to. Right. The information is missing. There's details missing. What are we signing up to? Jesus hasn't taught them. This is the first passage in chapter 5 where Jesus actually is, is recorded as teaching the disciples. They've got an idea, that, but they don't know what the information... They don't have all the information, all the questions answered. And it raises this question for us. What point do we need all the information? What level of information, what level of questions answered do we need before we say yes to Jesus? To say, yes, I'm coming. It's important. Do I need to know what his dreams and his plans are? And do they match with my dreams and plans before I say yes? Do, do I need to know what, what all these things that go around in my mind and we're not saying don't ask questions and don't investigate and don't seek to understand but it's faith too and what I mean by that is it's not blind faith discipleship saying yes to follow the call is not blind faith it's actually a faith that is the ability to know the one who's making the promises I'll put it this way faith if we have it all sorted out, is not faith. There has to be a stepping into the unknown at some point. There has to be a stepping and go, I don't get it all yet, but I know the one who I want to be around. There's something about Jesus, and there's something that feels right about this. I'm saying yes, and it will continue to work its way out. The disciples are sitting here on a mountain, not with all the information, but can I suggest with expectations. And we all bring our expectations to Jesus. At whatever point we are in our walk with him, the disciples came with an expectation. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus is taking them up a mountain. They've heard that and they're starting to get a glimpse that he's creating some havoc here in the community in a good way. He's starting to create what might be a revolution, as it were. And Pastor Nathan mentioned last week to go up a mountain, to be on a mountain and sharing is the place where revolution starts. And we know in the Gospels further down that the disciples actually thought and they believed Jesus was coming to start a revolution that would actually overthrow all of the corrupt powers of that world, would get rid of the Roman government. They were expecting that he would um, restore Israel to its rightful place, that he would, he would do all of that. And they had this expectation in their heart as it flows through the community. And, wow, look what Jesus is doing. And they start to go up the mountain and they going, oh, here we go. We're going to the place where revolution starts. Here we go. On. Uh, 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 we've got Judas here who's a zealot. Oh, we, he's, he's maybe even like, okay, I know. I'm ready for this. I'm keen. I'm keen. And, and they're walking up and Jesus sits on the mountain. And you can almost imagine their expectation is bursting. This is, Jesus is going to talk about how this is going to play out. And he starts to share. And we come to what he says in verse 3 of chapter 5. And he says, blessed that means the truly satisfied, the truly happy, the ones who know God and are satisfied in life, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, is to know God in His deep secrets is theirs, the poor in spirit. You can just imagine their mind starting to tick over and go, "What? The poor in spirit?" It's the poor, that's that's not how this is meant to play out. It's the rich in spirit. It's it's what we've seen, it's the rich in spirit, poor in spirit. Then he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mourning? What? Blessed are the meek, the ones who, who have strength but it's under control, the ones who find themselves in insignificant places in life. Blessed are they, for they will inherit the earth, the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children. Blessed are those, what, who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I can just imagine the disciples... Their, their mind ticking over and going what how how this is not how revolu- this is not how it's meant to play out there's there's a paradox here there's something that's not this doesn't make sense but as disciples they lean in as disciples they go they want to understand it doesn't make sense have you ever been invited to a, 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 an event and you've, you you you've promised what it is and then you turn up and then suddenly you realize this is not what I signed up for and there's no eject button. I can sort of imagine that's a little bit like the disciples. Like, my wife, if she was to suggest to me a movie and go, I reckon you'll love this. This is awesome. This is going to be, this is you. This, it, you will love this and you walk in. And as the intro rolls, you go, this is not what I signed up for. You, what, what is going on here? But then by the end, I'll just play this out, this analogy out of it. By the end, I go, ha, I get why. The intro was a bit slow, but man, it picked up and I love that. I love that. You know, I imagine that's a little bit, those silly examples, but a little bit like the disciples were feeling. I have sold everything. I've hitched my life to Jesus. I have, I have said I'm following you. And then suddenly, this is not what I signed up for. And sometimes I think we can feel like that. It's not bait and switch with Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. It's just sometimes we bring our expectations to Jesus that actually just aren't right. They're not what Jesus has actually talked about. They're not who he is. They're not his plan. They had it right or in the big picture. Yes, he's coming to revolutionize, to restore the world to wholeness in every heart and individual. But it wasn't by the means they thought. It was turning the world's thoughts, the, the notions of blessing that they picked up through the, the, the systems of the world, the notion of what a revolution was of power and force, and we're going to have significance and we're going to do this and it's going to be awesome. He was flipping it on their head. And he was starting to work in their hearts. They go, actually, it's something greater. But it's a paradox, it's not what you expect. You know, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, and today I'm sort of giving an overview of, of what's here, and we're going to dig into this in the, in the weeks ahead, but blessed are the poor in spirit, it's saying, blessed are those who are painfully aware of their exile and their need, for, their need for help from God. Blessed are those who know their life is not really in their control, as much as we like to think they know their life is really not in their control, and that they are dependent on God. Blessed are those who acknowledge their inner spiritual poverty and their desperate, ongoing need for divine intervention. For theirs is to know God and his deep secrets. It doesn't, in our natural mind, go together that, that when we acknowledge our spiritual bankruptcy, we actually gain Everything. Unlike when we acknowledge financial bankruptcy, we lose everything in the kingdom economy. When we acknowledge that actually we have limitations, that we can't actually earn our way to God, like the brother in the in the in the um, prodigal son, he can't, he he can't earn his way to God and be self reliant that way, or or like the other son in the prodigal son, that the prodigal himself who said, "I'm going to just go and use everything that is available to me from this from the inheritance of my father," a self reliance is saying, actually, we recognize our limitations, and we go, oh, I have poor poverty of spirit, but that means actually I gain everything, because it means I realize I'm dependent on God, and that is the best place to be. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mourn, mourn what is a good question there. It's not speaking necessarily to the troubles of life, but it's speaking to actually the allowing ourselves to see the brokenness that is around us and in us and actually grieve that, mourn that. And in that repentance and in that sadness, come to Christ, Christ, who is the ultimate comforter. So often when we're mourning things or when we are facing those brokenness, we try to avoid it or we try to anesthetize it, as it were. And actually, it means we avoid the thing that actually, or the one who actually brings comfort to us. When we mourn, it opens us up to actually step in a place where we're truly comforted and we start to see healing in our lives. But it doesn't make sense on the surface. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. To be meek means to recognize our insignificance, not unimportance. Moses was said to be meek, but he was important. It's to recognize our insignificance in the big scheme and our reliance again on God. It's strength under control then in how we live that we're not trying to, as, as we would normally in the survival of the fittest, try to force our way to find our way to get to positions of significance and power and use what we have on the backs of others. It's actually going, I have a strength that's under control, that is in service of others. But it doesn't make sense on the surface. One analogy for the Beatitudes that I heard this week was, it's like on the surface it looks simple. And you take a step into the pool. It's like this pool you're going to go swimming in. And you step in and it's, it's cool. It's around your ankles. But then you dig a little deeper and you go, I'm actually up to my waist. And you go a little deeper into it and you go, I'm actually over my head. Actually, this is not possible on my own. And that's the point. This is only possible because we come to Jesus. When we first come to Jesus. And so I have to say on this, on this point that actually if you're hearing what I'm saying, if you're hearing this whole message of discipleship that we're going through, from the, the sound and what you're hearing is, hey, I have to be better. I have to do more. I have to squeeze myself, and we often think this, to be these qualities. But actually, got, Jesus is saying no, no. It's reversed. It's not become these things first and then come. It's actually come to me, the one who has taken your place, the one who has pioneered this path, who has walked this path. Come, learn from me as we heard. Come, take your yoke, my yoke on you and find rest and learn from me. Come, and in the coming, you will find as I work with your heart and as you open up, you will transform and you will see what the kingdom is about on earth. That is the message here. Don't hear anything else but come. I I think of it like this. um, These are the marks of the kingdom. What do I mean by that? Have you ever heard someone say of of a sports team? Let's say the All Blacks. Anyone a fan of the All Blacks here? None here. Good. I'm not either. Anyway, but I've heard them say When they see this amazing attack, or they see this amazing defense, or they see this player who just digs in, have you heard people say, that's a mark of the All Blacks? That's a mark of the All Blacks right there. That defense, that attack, that's a mark of the, that that mental strength, that's a mark of the All Blacks. What Jesus is presenting here are, are, are what people could see of us as he transforms our hearts and we could go of each other and see and go, oh, that there, that's a mark of a Jesus person. That's a mark of a Jesus person, not because of anything we've done first, but because of what Christ is doing in our hearts, working in our hearts that overflows to eventually express out here. It takes the load off, and yet we are partnered into it as well because it requires of us something that is so challenging when we first hear it. It requires of us to not just say, yes, I'm coming, Jesus, but to take the posture of a disciple. All of this could be summed, these words particularly in the Beatitudes could be summed up like this. Surrender. Surrender. Will you surrender? Will we surrender? Will we take off the facades? Will we take off? The things that we rely on to find comfort, to find strength, to find significance. Well, we take those things off, lay them down, and go, actually, I am spiritually poor. I have limitations. Actually, it's it's a weight I don't want to bear, that that I'm relying on myself. And Jesus says, You don't need to carry it yourself. Will you surrender? Will you humble yourself? Will you be real with him? Will you open your heart and say, hey, I bring it all and I surrender? And in that place, that is where we start to know what it is to be truly blessed by God and to know God in his deep secrets, to them is the kingdom of God. To them is the kingdom of God. To them. It means we no longer have to attach our lives to success or power or finding places of significance in our own strength. It takes the weight off. It means we no longer have to avoid or anesthetize ourselves to when we are faced with ours or the world's brokenness. But we can sit in that, not wallow in it, but sit in that and find comfort in Jesus who helps us walk through that to a place of healing. It takes the pressure off. It means we can come and and unlike the brothers, and it's an interesting point, I'll touch in a sec, but unlike the brothers who said, who's the greatest to Jesus, we can come and go, if it comes, if it doesn't. If success, if power, if greatness or if if finances or others to come, it actually is not my drive or my motivation. And therefore, I am free in the kingdom economy because He is my dependency. It takes the weight off. But what I find interesting and what I find interesting is that for the disciples, it wouldn't have all made sense straight away. But they had the posture of a disciple. They were leaning in. They were leaning in, but in fact, when we look throughout the Gospels, some of them never fully got it. Judas never fully got it. We know what he did at the end for money. The brothers were still not getting it. I think it was James and John. Is that the brothers? I think it is. James and John, they still weren't getting it, and they were going, who's the greatest? They're trying to find that place of significance, and that is actually encouraging to me because it means today we don't have to get it all. The call first is to come, say yes, hitch your life to his, take that posture of disciple and then learn of him and as we do, as we surrender, we find that those things start to change, that we start to, to go actually, I'm not seeking those things I once did, I'm not driven by those things, actually there is a blessing, there is a deep satisfaction, there is a knowing God I never thought possible in this paradox of actually surrendering to gain rather than seeking power and and all those other things to gain. It's actually in surrender that we find that place of deep satisfaction in the kingdom. So the, the encouragement and the question this morning is, will you surrender? Will you lay down those things you're holding tight in your hand? Will you take down those facades? So I'm going to invite the team back we're just going to take a moment to pray and to sit with Jesus as if we are sitting with him on that mountaintop, allowing him to speak into our hearts what he wants us to hear, what he wants us to surrender. So I encourage you to take whatever posture that is for you, eyes closed, hands open, sitting, standing. We're going to take a moment to pray. And to allow the Holy Spirit just to highlight those things. Because like I said, my words are good. Maybe they're okay. But it's the Holy Spirit's work in our heart that really brings transformation. So right now, let's pray. Thank you, God. Lord, on behalf of all of us, uh, I... I speak that we, and and declare, we bring our expectations to you. And Lord, where they have been misguided, where they have been not quite what we expected, where, where, what what you, who you are, Lord, we lay those expectations down. And though we don't fully understand it all, though we don't fully get all that you are saying to us yet, we recognize that is the journey of a disciple to come close to you and you will reveal as we go. So Lord, right now, with the weight off, we come to you. And Lord, we surrender. We surrender first our hearts. We surrender those things which we've held to ourselves. Those dreams we've held to ourselves, we surrender them to you and know you have greater dreams than we could ever imagine. We surrender our pursuit of power or significance or success that would drive us, and we surrender to, to you, God. We surrender our facades where we go and we come and we worship, we lift our hands, but underneath we're still trying to rely on our own strength. Help us, God, to know what it is to truly depend on you with peace and with faith. We surrender. Right now, just speak your own words to him. Whisper them under your breath, what you surrender to him. It might be for some of you, it's the first time you're saying to him, yes, I am stepping in and I'm hitching my life to you. I am your disciple. I'm no longer a curious. I'm no longer interested. I'm no longer attending only. I am in. For some of you, that is the step of surrender right now. Jesus, thank you for your invitation. Thank you for what you do in our lives. And as we go into this week, help us work in our hearts, Holy Spirit, to become markers or people who are marked by the kingdom.